Hello and welcome to the Urban Permaculture Podcast. My name is Heather with Hogs and Hens Urban Farm and today we are interviewing a brand new guest for the podcast and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Sarah Michelle of Lone Pine Farmstead. We're a small um, hobby farm and plant nursery located in Springfield, Ohio. Fantastic. And tell me, what all do you guys grow here? So I am a a propagation-based nursery, and we grow and sell plants that we've propagated and grown here on the farmstead. Um, We specialize mostly in perennials and edible plants. Fantastic. So tell me a little bit about the propagation nursery. Like, how did you get started in all of this? Um, Well, I got started in propagation in 2020 when kind of the world shut down. Um, I've always grown and gardened, um, but I found some cool videos online and it started a little bit of an obsession um, where I started propagating plants. We started with elderberries and kind of grew from there. Fantastic. Now, what all do you guys currently grow? Um, Right now, I focus a lot on elderberries. We've got several different varieties. We do a lot of flowering and perennial shrubs and berries, since those seem to be so popular right now. (laughs) Right. Now, I've heard a lot about elderberries, and it's something that we're getting ready to get started. In fact, I'm getting some starts from you today, so I'm pretty excited about that. So tell me a little bit about elderberries. What do people need to know? Why Why should I grow elderberries? Well, the number one reason why, especially in our, well, really all of North America, should be growing elderberries is because they are a native plant species. So all of those native pollinators that are at risk right now bumblebees, wasps, flies, they all use elderberry in their habitats. So that's my primary reason for growing elderberry. Um, But the health benefits that we are finding out about now really are amazing. There's a ton of new research growing, going into elderberry production um, to find out how beneficial these berries and flowers are for human health as well. Awesome. Now, do you just eat the berries or do you do anything with the blooms or what do you do with your plants? You can use both. Um, They're both edible. Both are medicinal. So you can use the blooms for teas or tinctures. You can dry them. Um, And the berries, obviously, everyone knows about how how popular elderberries are right now. Now, do you just eat the berries raw or or do you process them? What what do you do with the berries? Because I know some berries you got to be careful with because you don't really want to eat them raw or the flavor is not right for eating raw so how do you how do you deal with elderberry yeah that's a good question um one that i get asked quite often elderberries actually are mildly toxic when they're raw so you don't want to eat them raw um they're not toxic enough to get you very sick but i wouldn't have them around livestock um just because of that toxicity level so to process them you can either freeze them or dry them or prepare them fresh um, and then you want to cook them down so some people make pies or jams or jellies with them they've been slow cooked or you can make syrup with them awesome yeah now you guys have other kinds of berries that you're growing here as well correct we do have lots yeah tell me about some of those uh we grow blackberries and raspberries hascap berries um currants black currants red and gold and gooseberries lots of strawberries, and we're kind of always expanding our berry um, selection because I am 
obsessed with them. And I have three young kids who also eat a lot of berries. So we're trying to sure. grow a little bit of everything. Exciting. Now, you mentioned Hascat berries, and that's not something you hear about quite as often. So tell me a little bit about those. What are they like? How do they taste? And how do they grow? Um, Hascat berries are going to be the next big thing if I'm predicting the future trends of food production, especially for backyard growers. Um, it's, we live in Ohio. Our soil is not acidic enough for blueberries, but Hascat berries are actually in the honeysuckle family. Hmm. So if you know anything about invasive species, honeysuckle here is, it grows wild everywhere. Now, Hascap is not an invasive honeysuckle, but they grow very similar. They're not picky about their soil quality. They're not picky about pH. Um, so they will grow very well in our climate. And they are a berry similar to a blueberry in, in the way they look. Um, sure. They kind of have a raspberry flavor to them. Nice. Do they have seeds on the inside? Like, are they really seedy like a raspberry? Or are they They're like kind of more like a blueberry. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And can you eat them raw or do yeah. you process those? You can eat those raw, um, fresh off the plant. I have not been able to harvest enough to process with, but I know sure. people can make jams and pies and awesome. stuff like that. Them. Now, like how long has it taken you guys to really get your plants established? I mean, did you start them all in 2020 or have you been building and, and so how we, does that go? We bought this property in 2018. We moved from the Columbus area with really big dreams that I was going to start this market garden and it was going to have rotationally grazed animals, which we do have, but um, the amount of work that goes into maintaining a property and building <laughs> soil health is immense. So we bought this property here and it was all brush and scrub. It was full of invasive plants, honeysuckle, <laughs> honeysuckle. and autumn olive. <laughs> and so we don't spray anything. So right. to clear those one by one, we are digging each plant out and yep. pulling them by their roots and then re-establishing the soil in that area. So farming and vegetable farming was kind of out of the picture for us. Right. Um, we also are dealing with some massive poison ivy issues. Oh, no. um, so market gardening just was not going to be feasible. Um, and that's kind of what led us to the nursery I was able to plant these vegetables or these plants and didn't have to worry about getting them to market, didn't have to worry about the perishability of them. We set up a farm stand in our front yard and people can kind of come. It's a on honor system type setup, um, which has worked really well for our family because I'm running this by myself. <laughs> I have three little kids sure. who are super busy. Um, that's really what led us to the, the nursery production side. Very cool. Um, now, what kind of gardening style do you guys use? Like at our farm, we use a, a modified lasagna method or raised garden or no-till raised bed kind of system. What kind of uh, setup do you guys use? Ours is really similar. Um, we do deep mulch system. It's also called back to Eden yep. gardening. <laughs> um, basically, we use a combination of wood chips and compost and animal manure to build individual raised beds. Sure. Um, we also have guilds around all of our propagation plants. Um, so very much focused on no-till, sure. building the soil health, because where we're at really has been depleted for many, many years. Right. That clay soil is rough. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. It really is. Now, do you guys use wood chips or do you use straw? What kind of uh, mulch do you guys use? We kind of use a combination of both um, wood chips when we can get them, but mm -hmm. we also have goats and chickens. So we use a lot of their bedding and um, sure. manure to help 
That's what I was going to ask next was about your animals. Yeah. (laughs) What kind of goats and and or chickens do you guys have? Uh, We just have a small flock of egg-laying hens, really for our home use. Um, And then we have Nigerian dwarf goats that we use for milk. Um, And they're just adorable. They make great pets. (laughs) Now, this is kind of a family affair. You're raising the kids and teaching them all about these kind of things. So do the kids get to go out into the garden and into the berry patches with you? Oh, yeah. Yes, which is why we very rarely have enough berries to share. My three kids um, are very involved in helping with the nursery. My older daughters um, help me propagate plants and help pot things up. And my younger son really just eats everything that we have. Yeah, I can relate. My son, uh, so Braxton is his name. And as soon as he gets in the front door, the first thing he does is dart straight out to the blueberry bush because we have a potted blueberry. And he goes straight out to that plant and is searching around looking for whatever berry could possibly have ripened in the last 48 hours. Uh, yeah, they don't really need to be ripe around here for Brian Justin to eat them. <laughs> we put in several raised beds of strawberries last year and he just that was his morning routine was to go out and eat every berry that he could find it did not matter if it was red or green or somewhere in between they were all gone sure now what kind of propagating do you guys do is it primarily cuttings do you guys do seed saving a little bit of both and um we do a little bit of both i do lots of winter sowing um and primarily i do hardwood cuttings in the winter time um, we'll do several thousands of those before spring comes. I do a little bit of softwood cutting propagation in the spring and summer months as well. Um, but we are hoping now we're expanding a little bit and getting into um, more of that summertime production. So we're hoping to build a few raised beds this spring to introduce a mist system, which will help us ramp up our production a lot. That's awesome. Now you talked about the, the hardwood and the softwood. What, what do those things mean? For those who are not familiar, what is the difference between a hardwood and a softwood cutting and, and kind of how you process them and how, you know, how do you know which one you need? Sure. So cuttings just as an overview, that is taking the stem of a plant, cutting it into sections, and then reproducing that plant. It's basically a clone of the original parent plant that you had. So you can take them all throughout the year, but I like to take them in the wintertime as a hardwood cutting when they're totally dormant, right before the buds have opened. So I start my hardwood cuttings in January to March, um, and I will cut them into two node sections. The nodes are where they're basically like stem cells um, and they are undefined plant material. So those nodes are going to be where the plant is able to then grow either roots or buds um, and putting those into soil, giving them the right conditions, they're able to then grow some roots. So um, the majority of what I do is hardwood cutting um, from those dormant um, plant stems. (laughs) And then in the summertime, you can do softwood cuttings, which are cuttings from plants that are actively growing. They have fully leafed out, um, and those are a little harder. They take a little more care and work to do. You have to really keep those conditions pristine and correct for them, or else they'll lose too much moisture and and will fail. And when you're taking these cuttings, it doesn't really affect the plant. It's actually a good thing when you're trimming them down some, correct? Yeah. So I take, especially the hardwood cuttings, that is done at the time you would normally prune your plants, your hydrangeas, your forsythias, especially your elderberries. Um, Pruning them just really revitalizes the plant. It lets them put out lots of new growth, um, especially for 
elderberries, pruning them keeps them to a manageable size and makes sure all of your blooms and berries are more uniform. Um, and it just causes, it helps the plant just grow stronger and hardier. Awesome. Now, like with raspberry canes, talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about your raspberries, because that's a very different type of growing than the elderberries, because you got to take down this year's canes every year. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about raspberries. Change gears a snitch. Sure. So raspberries grow on biennial canes, which means a cane is going to live for two years. Mm -hmm. The first year that it grows, it's I don't know if it's primocane or floricane. I get them all mixed <laughs> sure. up. The first year that they are growing, they're just focusing on growing plant material and putting down roots. They're mm -hmm. not going to bury. Then that second year that that cane is in existence is going to be the year that it buries. And then once it fruits, that cane will die. So this time of year, every year I go out to the raspberry patch, I pull out all of those canes that have already buried and just leave the ones that are in their first year of growth. Um, if you have a dense patch, you can at this point then dig up those extra canes um, so that you increase airflow in your patch. It helps um, reduce mold and disease and pest issues and is it easy to tell the difference between you know a, a cane that is this year's versus last year's are they really easy to spot so if you wait until winter to prune your raspberry patch mm -hmm. those canes are going to be dead so it's pretty easy to tell which is a dead cane and which one is still alive they get really brittle they break very very easily sometimes sure. the bark will start peeling off them or they'll get kind of a gray texture or color to them um, so you can really almost just like snap them out of the patch and clean them out of there sure and then how about um like with the hascaps and some of your others the gooseberries uh gooseberries something i've never grown and i've never actually been around when it's grown so tell me a little bit about those what do we need to know um so there is very minimal amounts of maintenance and care that gooseberries hascaps and currants need nice. um you really don't need to prune those much at all if anything it can be more just based on aesthetics um they grow naturally kind of a bushy your shrub so sure. um yeah there's not a lot of care that goes into them just making sure every every year I go through and I'll take out any branches that look diseased or dead and just kind of lightly um touch up the shape of them overall yeah. but other than that there's very little care involved wonderful and you mentioned that you've got guilds around um, a lot of your things so talk to me about some of the different guilds that you've got going on what do you have planted around things and why um, so right now we're just focusing on putting that deep mulched bed around all of our production plants as they grow larger. Um, comfrey is another great plant that we have added around some of our fruit trees, um, as long as as well as obviously there's just. Um, wild native plants growing. Sure. Um, clover and other things that really help fix nitrogen back into the soil um, around those fruit and perennial plants. Perfect. And then you also grow some flowers. I know you've got the Black Eyed Susans and I've seen some other ones because um, I scoped out your website. That's actually how we got connected. Oh, great. Is, um, so she popped up in one of my Facebook reels and I, I binge watched all of her videos and then I went on a deep dive and found her website and went back and scrolled through all of those. And so I know a little bit about what, what she's got going on here from that. So I know you guys do flowers too. Um, so talk to us a little bit about some of the flowers that you have growing and, um, you know, 
tell me a little bit about them. Okay. Well, the flower side is one we don't quite have as many flowers as we do other shrubs, um, mostly because those are all root divisions that I do in the spring. Um, but we have a lot of natives that grow really well in our area. So we grow daisies and black-eyed Susans, some hollyhocks. Um, yeah, we don't have a ton. Just, right. Yeah. Um, and, but that's a kind of an area that we're looking to expand more sure. into. I do a lot of winter sowing every season, again, mostly natives. So we do a lot of asters and other plants that are great for our climate and do propagations of those as well. I love asters. Bachelor buttons are one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. They're a, a natural local pollinator too. Mm -hmm. I was fascinated with the fact that you can eat them. I had grown bachelor buttons my whole life and had no idea that they were an edible oh, flower. Yeah. And the first time I saw them in a salad, I was like, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> then I realized, them. yeah, it's crazy. So um, doing doing the root divisions, um, so talk to us a little bit about that for those who aren't familiar with what that means. Um, it's kind of separating the plants out a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it really is. So um, <clears throat> if you have a patch, especially black-eyed Susans that grow really, really <laughs> fast, if you leave that patch to its own devices, eventually the center of it will start to die because those plants will get too crowded. Yep. So a root division is basically just digging up a hole or part of that patch or that plant and then using a sharp spade to cut it into sections and divide those roots to repot them or replant them in other areas in your landscape. Sure. And it doesn't really hurt the roots, even though you're kind of cutting the roots. It doesn't damage the plants really at all. It's it's beneficial, like you said, right? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, plants really need a lot of airflow. We live in a very humid climate, so mold is a constant issue. Um, insects and disease can really be brought on by plants that are too too densely planted together so giving your plants a little bit of space dividing them and moving them into different areas is always beneficial sure and so with your propagation nursery what do you guys do here because you are an organic farm right so what do you guys do here to help with um, insect pressure and pest pressure do you guys do anything in particular do you do like in like a companion planting or do you have fencing or what do you use to try to combat some of those pests well, it depends on the pest. Um, we, we are organic in a practice, but we're not a certified organic right. farm. Um, so we really just kind of, um, we do a lot of companion planting in our own personal gardens. We add a lot of marigolds and um, companion plant in like the square sure. foot method. Um, as far as our nursery plants, I mean, we just grow enough at this point that deer and rabbit pressure is not going to hurt too badly um <laughs> sure yeah there's not a lot that we do it, it, with nursery stock none of our plants are grown intensely close to each other so we don't have as many disease issues because we have so much space between each plant right so that's a really big important thing when you're growing um, for like the nursery stock is making sure your plants are spread out because I know with me this past year I had issues really bad with powdery mildew on my squash no matter what I did. Mm -hmm. Our entire squash beds, both of them, ended up with powdery mildew. And I mean, we tried everything we could to space them out, but it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, <laughs> it is hard. Squash is almost, I mean, 
It is next to impossible to grow in Ohio. People (laughs) always have issues with it because mildew is so prevalent here. Vine borers are here. Squash bugs are here. Um, The best success that I've ever had with squash is growing it vertically because that keeps it off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have a little bit more airflow and it kind of reduces the amount of hiding places that some of those pests can hide in. Right. Now, if somebody wanted to reach out to you to purchase some of your um, your plants, how would they do so? So we will start our plant sales in early May, probably the first weekend of May. Um, but I have all of that information posted on my website, lonepinefarmstead.com, and on my Facebook and Instagram pages. I constantly update those. Um, and kind of let people know when we'll have our plant sales. We'll also open up our farm stand in early May as well. So people can come and shop um, and it's on our system. We kind of have a table set out in our front yard and you can see what we, we've got. But um, if you have any questions, all my contact information is on my website and on our social media. Fantastic. Now, with once you open up your farm stand um, by the edge of the road, is it going to be is primarily plants or do you sell excess produce as well? Or do you sell any excess eggs or do you just have enough eggs for you guys? We just have enough eggs for us right now. Um, but it, it's just primarily plants. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate talking with you today. If you guys have any more questions or you'd like to know more, please, please, please check out their website. Um, You're going to LonePineFarmstead.com. And uh, once again, thanks for uh, being on the show today. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me. All right.